This episode of the Kill by Kill podcast is brought to you in part by the brand new zombie thriller Unhuman, which is now available on digital and on demand. When a high school field trip goes terrifyingly awry, a group of students trusting each other is truly tested to the limit in a brutal, horrifying fight for survival. Buy or rent Unhuman and watch it today. Unhuman is unrated and from Paramount Pictures. Now, to celebrate the digital premiere of Unhuman, we have five digital copies of the film for lucky listeners to sink their teeth into. Just email us at killbykillpod at gmail.com with Unhuman in the subject line for your chance to win your very own copy. And now, the body count continues. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Patreon bonus time is here. That's right. We're talking about Dracula, but wait for it, 1979 style on Kill by Kill. Hey there. Hi there. Ho there. It's your pal Patrick Hamilton. I'm coming to you once again from the English seaside where all the wolves are free to rip out as many throats as they can find. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, but of course, strictly for our patrons who help us keep the lights on here. And we do a special bonus episode, and there's only one person that I would ever trust to sail with me with six boxes of earth from my native soil. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? So wait, does that does that make me the Renfield in this? Because that 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 makes I'll take that. That I, I'm I don't, very, I'm far more of a Renfield than a Dracula. As much as I like to think I, I could be a very cool Dracula, I'm very much more of a a, a Renfield type. I would had wondered if because I you know I had gotten this blue this fancy Blu-ray from Shout Factory, you know, what, like a year or so ago. And I was wondering if I had like because I know I watched it a couple of times and I was wondering if I had taken any notes and I just put Dracula into my <laughs> notes app where I keep all the show notes. And it was so many fucking mentions of Dracula. I mean, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, it is called Dracula. But, but Dracula in Friday the 13th in Nightmare and Elm Street, like it's, it comes up so many times for different shows. Um, oh, you mean like we're, of, of us talking about it? Of us talking about it. It comes up in Amityville 3D, Slugs, The Fan, Fade to Black, Mikey, Fear No Evil Volume 2, Fear No Evil Volume 1, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, uh, Dream Child, Friday the 13th Part 8. Like... <laughs> Just all the times we've mentioned Dracula. This is all the times just in my notes. The not that's when I've written down Dracula for the show. And, um, and yet somehow this is our very first one. We have done uh did we have we done anything besides the space vampire Buck Rogers? <laughs> I don't believe we have done a proper vampire yet. This we definitely our- haven't done we definitely haven't done dracula specifically i i've right. talked about 
Bram Stoker's Dracula on another podcast, I talked about um, the Bela Lugosi version Dracula, uh, Dracula mm. on, on another podcast, but not this one specifically. Right, and this is yeah. this is our Kill by Kill first traditional vampire movie that we're covering here in our five yeah. and a half years. Yeah, we which is which is really surprising because I fucking love vampire movies. I do too. But the one thing about drag, you know, vampire movies or Dracula movies or anything in between there is that they tend not to be overly kill heavy and they have a lot of characters you get to know real well. So that, and on a podcast where we're typically talking about uh, characters who like show up and their big character trait is they're an asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> Are we, we, are, we talking about, are we talking about one Jonathan Harker? <laughs> oh man, Jonathan Harker. I, I actually, while watching that, I, uh, I I tweeted that one of these days I was going to make a list ranking all of the Jonathan Harkers from worst to least bad. <laughs> because there are no good Jonathan Harkers. Pro- probably the closest, and this is mostly because I just have an affection for Keanu Reeves is probably the Jonathan Harker in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Because he's trying at least he is he, trying. Yes. And like he, he figures out that he's kind of in a bad situation. He tries to get out of it. And Dracula's like, what if I throw three sexy ladies at you? He's like, why are you doing this? To me? <laughs> uh, I love that Dracula. I mean, that oh, I, is, it's, it is a flawless motion picture. I, it really I, is. And I mean that. I'm not I'm not being ironic. I think it is pretty much a perfect movie. I think it's exactly what it wants to be. It has no desire to be a, a film of the moment or to represent current filmmaking. It is, we're going to make the most old-fashioned Dracula we can, but also make it gory as fuck. And it's super duper horny. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's not to say that's not to say that the, the book isn't horny, but it's kind of a sort of reserved horniness. It's an Be- English because, horny. Right. And it's also, you know, the best you could do in a, in a in a epistolatory form book. You could only go so right. far to, yeah. you know, describe hoardiness in like a diary or like a letter. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Although very most, this most is diaries are hornier than that uh, well that's least, true that's yeah. true uh that being said yeah i i quite enjoy that one um i think it it ranks amongst the upper echelon of everything he's done on film uh and i felt so at the time like i was into it like yes this is so cool and then everyone else tried to make something like that and failed spectacularly yep i I don't even i couldn't even tell you what the the you know the magic as it were that uh that that you know made that work so well i mean it might be just a a lightning in a bottle moment of a perfect cast and even Mm -hmm. like even the weaker links again, Keanu Reeves, even, even Winona Ryder, bless her heart is not great. 
in her it, it, at times her accent's shaky. Yeah. But you've got, you know, a whole big supporting cast of people who are just giving a hundred and seventy-five percent to their role. And yes. then you've got Gary fucking Oldman. <laughs> e- emphasis on the fucking. Uh, yes, um, sir. <laughs> Um, where, and, and that's the thing about Dracula. Uh, there's all sorts of ways to do it. It's, um, I, I don't think that book is any particular great shakes in terms of storytelling. Like I think Frankenstein is better written, but there's a lot of room in there for you to, to do a lot of things with it. So right. this comes at, at a really interesting time in American and modern media's fascination with vampires. Yeah, this uh, this was 1970. Yeah, we're actually not talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula. Right, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, we could do a whole podcast just on that, but we're talking we about might. the 1979 version, which I yeah. which I have described in the past as being your mom's favorite Dracula movie. <laughs> and, and I say that because it's my mom's favorite Dracula movie. My mom liked this movie very much. Uh-huh. I, I believe the first time I saw it was watching it with her. Mm-hmm. Um, other other than um, the the you know, a small handful of Hammer Horror and Salem's Lot, yeah, this was probably my first exposure to real vampire movies, and it happened to come out the same year as Salem's Lot, and also um, the remake of uh, Werner Herzog's remake of Nosferatu. Yes. And a, a not very well-aged movie called Love at First Bite, which was <laughs> which a, a, a I comedy seem to take. watch on cable nonstop. And I've <laughs> I haven't never seen revisited it. I haven't seen it in years. I have yeah. to imagine that there's a lot of gags and it just did, have not carried over well into the modern world. <laughs> I think uh, may I have to assume my mom had a thing for him. George Hamilton for George Hamilton, because we watched this and we specifically got cable or a VCR. I can't remember which it is, but we specifically got it because Zorro, the gay blade is becoming available. <laughs> See, this is why, this is why you asked me to do this, this podcast with you. Cause who else is going to remember Zorro, the gay blade? <laughs> no one should. No one should. It came on TCM like two years ago and I like, you know, like let's watch five minutes of it. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is that's, aside that's from four Brenda minutes. Vaccaro, like that's if you've got a thing for Brenda Vaccaro, four, you're in, but four oof. minutes too much. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, and in the other element to this is that you um, have uh, a, Broadway production of that 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 stars um you know uh, Frank Langella on stage in 1978 in 77 and into the beginning of 78 and that's the same year like the whiz is on Broadway and chorus line and um oh what what else um uh, shoot anyways I'm going to send you a commercial, Gina, okay. for the I Love New York campaign. Yes, I uh, remember. Do you remember this? I do, because we actually, we, we got a lot of New York channels uh, down in 
where I lived in New Jersey. So yeah, I do remember that jingle. Yeah. So they would, they would force Broadway cast into the smallest black box they possibly could. Oh, Greece was the other musical I was thinking of. Uh, and they would just like, I love New York. <laughs> but they would shoot them like because they were larger casts, like with a fisheye lens. So it looks like a Beastie Boys video. It's wild. <laughs> At the end of the 1977 one, you have Frank Langella show up, you know, his hair bouffanted within an inch of its life. And he looks dead into camera and goes, I love New York <laughs> in the evening. <laughs> and they're like, great cut, Frank, you're a genius. Everybody, an eight ball of cocaine for Frank. Frank deserves it. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Frank Angela for a minute. Let's man. talk about Frank um, Angela. For one thing, I love the fact that he wrote his memoirs uh, a couple of years ago, and a lot of it focused on uh, on how much on how much ass he got back in the yeah. day. <laughs> he's like dude Wilt had, Chamberlain, but not rapey. So. Dude, dude had more panties thrown out of him than Victoria's Secret salesman. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about his time on stage as Dracula as essentially every husband that I ever talked to for the fall for like three years was like. My wife fucked me so good that night <laughs> after we saw you. <laughs> and he just, I, I've, I don't know. I guess I've historically had a very, I'm an actor's actor opinion of him. But when he talks about stuff now, like his favorite on-screen role was Skeletor in the <laughs> He-Man movie. It's delightful. Uh, he just comes off as like a really interesting guy. And yeah, he apparently uh, had sex with everything that moved from <laughs> 1975 to 1989 by the sound of it. <laughs> uh, so good for him. And he and when you watch this movie, you can kind of get it. You can oh, yeah. Get it. I mean, he 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 kind of redefines the words. And I use this word a lot to describe uh, male actors in certain movies, the, in that word is smoldering. Mm -hmm. He kind of, he, 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 you know, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And it also is helpfully defined that the one sort of trick they really do pick up from the original, the universal original is the way Lugosi would hone in on people. And then Franklin Jilla takes it up a level. He enters and he takes off his coat, throws it at Doctor Who, and lines up the first woman he can find. Oh, I love, like, so like uh, Bela Lugosi sort of kind of skulks into the room a little yeah. bit. Mm -hmm. But, like, but like Langella kind of walks in, like, here I am, bitches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who wants to fuck? Is <laughs> basically Dracula's thing here. It is... I mean, for a defining trait, like it is different than every other Dracula. Like, as I love that Bram Stoker one, but he definitely comes off as an alien who still wants to fuck. And, but and he only and he he's only an alien. really he only really wants Mina. 
a right. you know, you know, you know, Lucy's just kind of a, you know, a, a, a you know, that's a fun thing he has on the side, but he, he but he really, really wants Mina. Here it's he just like, like get his mojo going. It's like what, where's a starter girl that I can work on? <laughs> Here he's just like, I'll take y'all on. Come here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um and the one the one of the things that is so amazing about him that I don't think you would ever have really seen on the stage version, which if you have not like just Google uh, the ni- Dracula 1977 Broadway gory version and you'll see the sets which were were done in the by Edward Gorey, the illustrator and in a pen and a paper and ink style. So they're all 2D. But yeah, it's great. He's it's, drawn it's great. every element, every book, every, you know, grain of wood is drawn by him and they just transform that stage into all the places it needs to be for that play. Yeah. If you want to talk smoldering, um, Franklin Angelo, when he, he eventually stopped doing the role was uh, replaced on Broadway by Raul Julia. (laughs) Raul Julia. So like they weren't fucking around with Dracula no. on Broadway. They're no. like, well, who's the hottest fucking dude we can find? Who, who and is then someone, eventually, who is- at some point, one of the bosom buddies that isn't Tom Hanks uh, fills you, you in be, that role. You'd be nice. He just passed away last I year. I know. But if you're talking about sex on legs, Peter so, Scalara is not exactly they, they, Yeah, they I did. Well, it's like Frank Langella, the Raul Julia, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so when I think when I th- when I when I think you know mysterious European, I definitely think Peter Scolari. Well, he knew how to juggle, so that's good. <laughs> uh. <laughs> One thing I should point out um, is that if you are looking for a a faithful adaptation of Dracula, this ain't no. it. No, no, no. This is entirely based. It's adapted even from the. Uh, the play version, which really reduces uh, who's in it. Like, I don't even think they have Amina in the stage version. They just have Lucy and the maid are your, are your women. Yeah. And and this one, they even take it a step further where now um, Van Helsing is Mina's father. He's pretty fucking useless as it turns out. Uh, I think uh, I, I we will talk about this, but I think that is a everyone states that as like it's a negative. I think it's the point of him in this movie. I I'm going to give it up that the point of Van Helsing is is he knows a lot and that makes him dangerous, but he is not a physical threat. It's a you no one is a physical threat against fucking Dracula. The what kills him is modernity. Anyways, go on. Uh, you know, Jack Jack Seward is now uh, um, uh, Donald uh, Pleasance. Yeah, he's played by Donald Pleasance uh, as hamming it up as always. And he's uh, <laughs> oh, I, I'll I'll get to my favorite scene with him in a little bit, but uh, uh, he is now uh, Lucy's father. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's no Arthur Holmwood, no Quincy P. Morris. Um, the only thing the, the roles of Mina and Lucy are kind of switched. For some mm-hmm. reason, um, and but one thing that stands true, Jonathan Harker, fucking wet sock. 
<laughs> just a dweeb of the highest order. It, it, and it doesn't help that even though it's supposed to be like 1910 or so, he mm. has like this little shitty mustache, the Beatles haircut. Yeah. Mm. He's not, he's not hot. He's not doing it for me. He's not even traditionally handsome. I don't, I don't, he is the real wet blanket of this movie. He uh, always he, is. Yeah. I don't, why, why does he always have to be a weenie? Because it, it, if, if count uh, watch your girl is going to sweep into the room, like you don't, you don't have to have a Dorcas Malorcas off to the side. Like, well, yeah, I'm choosing Dracula over him. Why not have somebody who's like, he's hot, but I'm still taking Dracula over him. That works a lot better for me. Well, it's just this, this Jonathan, he, he doesn't seem scared or threatened. He just seems annoyed. Right. Yeah. Well, because uh, yes, uh, everything's getting in his way and he just, it's just not proper. No, no, no. And he's such a, I, they're he, playing him off as a fop. You know, they're he's pee, he's peeved when, when, you know, you know, Lucy is still upset about Mina's death, like a day later. Yeah. There's nothing to root for here. Why Why would you like this guy? Why would I root for him? And then the thing that you hear over and over again is, I begin to root for, for Dracula in this movie. And I think that's okay because the, the, the course here is that Dracula is a romantic hero in the sense that, in the same way the Bram Stoker is, just a different angle of it, in that, he is lost. He does not have uh, a family or connection to the world anymore. And he finds this woman and all he wants to do is have laser sex with her. And you're kind of <laughs> like, I get it. Yeah, it, it definitely both, both this and the, the, um, uh, the Francis Ford Coppola version, which is in all ways a superior movie. And yet it lifted a lot. From, yeah. from this movie, you yes. know, the, 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 the Dracula kind of, kind of crawling up the side of a building, mm -hmm. uh, which in this holds, I mean, it looks pretty good. You know, I, I mean, love this. John Batham shoots the fuck out of this. This yeah. is the scene where they're having dinner and it's just like, it looks like there's a million candles around them. The production design is fucking boss. Like there's a lot to love about this movie. It's about 10 minutes too long, but it's still beautiful to look at. It is just, they threw money, $12 million, all of it's on the screen. Yeah. And, and, and in both of these movies, you know, what you have is more of a, a, a forbidden romance angle right, yes. to it. So, you know, the audience is left feeling a little, a little confused as to who they're <laughs> supposed to be rooting for here. Yes. I, I think so. And I, that is the goal of it is to, confuse whom you are rooting for and give you the idea that someone even after they kind of get that he's not exactly human still wants to hop in the sack with the guy and the way the way they kind of telegraph uh dracula's powers here is frank langilla has the ability to make his eyes quiver and unlike the uh, articulated hand movements that Lugosi tried to do this with. All Angela has to do is look at you and the camera could just be right up in his face. You see all of that puss. It's fantastic. There's not a, not a problem with it. 
I heard a podcast say that he was a little long in the tooth to play Dracula. I'm like, fuck you. I, they, he was they, 40. It, that is to me a hetero misadventure. Also, it, you, it, also they didn't read the book. <laughs> no, they didn't. Because if you read the book, do you do you do you know what Dracula, who Dracula more looks like? And I love pointing this out to people. He describes an older man with a bushy white mustache. So you know yeah. who I think of? Sam Elliott. <laughs> Would you turn down Sam Elliott if he was hovering outside your bedroom window at nighttime? No, no, no. He you can kind of make tap, it, make it, my you know, If he told you, fine. you know, you'll do, you know, you'll cross, you know, earth and sea to do my bidding. <laughs> you'll cross earth and sea to do my bidding. Yes, please. <laughs> what can I do for you, sir? <laughs> oh my God. What a movie. What a fucking picture. I love this movie. So we've talked a lot over the years about vampire laser sex. But I just want to throw it out here. There's something in the water when it comes to 1979 horror movies with lasers. Because not only did Alien grab Pink Floyd's laser get up, but John Bandom reached out to The Who and said, <laughs> you know that laser thing? And they're like, yeah, can we borrow that? And they're like, yeah, sure. You can borrow it for like a week. We're not going out for a month. So two horror movies in the same year, we're like, lasers are it, everybody. It's just lasers and horror from now on. <laughs> and then it just, the you know, a year later, just went away. Only the thing that Alien doesn't have is that they start to fuck and then they fade out and a bat flies through a tunnel. That's how you know they're having sex. <laughs> you know, still a better sex scene than the, than the, uh, the, the the hang gliders that are that are cut to in the middle of the sex scene and the uh, color of night. <laughs> I mean, bats and hang gliders, I, they feel like of of a family. <laughs> of I, mean, a I, I mean, I feel like you know, turning into a wolf would make more sense in this kind of in this kind of uh, situation. But well, you're gonna have to wait for Bram Stoker's for what, wolf sex. What because do I then know? You get it straight up, just. Mm -hmm. Come on out to the garden. I'm going to half transform into wolf and we're going to fuck. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> we mentioned him briefly, but why not get into it? Uh, Lawrence Olivier as Abraham Van Helsing. Um, he, I think, is really supposed to be a know-it-all weenie um, who... People kind of like, ah, come on. And he's kind of like, no, uh, if I shove a piece of garlic in this dude's face, like he's going to back up and he's right. He's just never going to physically be a matchup or a threat. And this seemed to be uh, on when Siskel and Ebert, Ebert covered this, they were very into the fact like Lawrence Olivier is not a threat. I didn't feel like, you know, there was really conflict in this. This movie is not about conflict. It's about a guy who wants to fuck. And you're like, <laughs> finally, that's what the movie's about. Just I think they don't him, get it. Just let the man fuck. Just let the man fuck. <laughs> it's been hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. There's all these guys coming at him. And it's like, uh, all right. You know what? Maybe if I move to a different island, maybe if I go to England, <laughs> Maybe the chicks will be looser around those parts. 
Um, and they are because I mean, Lucy and me, and both of them are just unlacing that that corset as soon as he walks in the room. This is, I mean, the weird thing about Dracula movies is they're all kind of in conversation with one another, and this is a big one that kind of borrows from that original Nosferatu. Although the remake that happens the same year also kind of does it, where instead of that Friday the Thirteenth thing of well, it's been a good run. There's, there's a, a sense when they see uh, Dracula at the window, it was like, well, I'm going to cower my pillow, but I'm not going to move because if I move, I might, I might not get dick tonight. <laughs> I'm both terrified and deeply in need of an orgasm. <laughs> yes. I think terrified of an orgasm is, would be a decent subtitle for this movie put it on the dvd box (laughs) Um, but but yeah it's again yes somewhat different from other renditions of dracula this version of um well again they reverse the 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 characters so the the dracula's bride is ultimately in this mina traditionally it's uh it's lucy jesus yeah uh, the uh, Lucy is the one that's that is killed earlier in the story. Here it's Mina who's killed, and then Lucy. It's the same character. I don't know why they. And no one can say why they changed. The yeah, there's really no need to have changed their names, but um, I to throw a constant Dracula raiders off the scent, so you you're discombobulated as to what's going to happen. I'm not sure they they don't know themselves. Like I listened to a whole hour and 15 minute podcast with John Badham. And he's like, why'd you change the names? Like, can't remember. Seemed like a good idea at the time. (laughs) Okay. Good enough. But Lucy (laughs) at no point is Lucy, does Lucy ever seem afraid of him? No. In fact, Lucy's uh, openly ballsy from the word go. And sometimes just comes off like kind of a, kind of a dick. In yeah, she's she's a little salty. Um, again, as is often the case in in these kinds of movies, her and Jonathan seem kind of more like you know an arranged marriage. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Where you know he's all smooching on her and you know telling her he loves her, and she's just kind of like, nah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand why you would. Well, yeah, I mean that mustache is gross, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, not, not a fan of just the mustache. I'm really not. Um, yeah, uh, it takes, it takes a hell of a face to make it work. You gotta and be like Mark Ruffalo and in the cut. That's saying a lot because he might've been a murderer in that. <laughs> <laughs> Still undetermined. It's been a while. Yeah, since he I've seen he may cut. have killed something. I mean, it is determined that the killer that they're looking for is another guy, but that does not mean he's not, he has not killed people. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, he's still the only one that can pull off just a mustache. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so she's just like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, something interesting is happening because yeah. my father makes me live in an insane asylum and occasionally <laughs> help out. And yeah, you know, when you need help, like Oliver walks the dog on occasion. She helps down at the insane asylum, you know, things she helps, children she helps, do for you. She helps rustle the patients. 
you know, make sure that the one woman with the baby still has that baby till she, she don't. Because she has a baby in the insane asylum. Yeah. Also, is this a, this is part of a long line of, of Donald Pleasance playing characters that are terrible at their jobs. Oh, yeah. He keeps leaving. Reliable. He keeps leaving his post at this insane asylum and saying, oh, my people will look out for them. His people <laughs> seems to be one person. Now, I think... Instead, he's not so much a doctor as he is a warden. And he well, see, that's interesting like, because the character is supposed to be a medical doctor. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess that explains why when uh, um, when Mina is attacked by uh, by Count Dracula and it only takes only takes one one session to, to take her down because yeah. for whatever reason she is described as already being frail and sickly, which again I think that was something that was. For just for this, yes. Uh, yeah, so yeah. literally, it takes one visit from Dracula to, to kill her. Um, but she wakes up; she can't breathe, and she's like, struggling to catch her breath. And it basically Donald Pleasance comes in, and it basically turns into that scene in Airplane when, yeah. to, when Leslie Nielsen's trying to call the woman. To Will <laughs> you please control yourself? <laughs> That's not how medicine works. That's not how anything works. Desperate for someone to say, what are you doing? That is not helping her breathe. No, it, it almost becomes like a dog pile. Like if they throw more, more bodies on top of her, she'll magically get better. They're shaking and slapping her. And she's like, (laughs) like that's, you can't slap someone into breathing. That's not how medicine works. I just expected to see like a line of every other character, like, lining up behind Dr. Seward and he's got like, one's got a baseball bat, one's got a little pistol. <laughs> yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Speaking of airplane, the thing that occurred to me this time watching this motion picture, it, this, the score in this is by John Williams. Um, one of his more forgotten scores only because it wasn't really commercially available for you to listen to for a really long time. That's, that's a shame. It is a shame. I think it's one of his best. Now, I've heard it a shit ton of times because this was my Dracula theme on the Universal Studios Backlot Tour. When I would punch in 39, uh, Dracula would play. So I've heard it a lot in Little Europe, especially. Um, But what I didn't notice until this this viewing was that um, it kind of sounds like the theme to airplane. <laughs> All it is is the end note is different, but it and and the airplane it's sped up, but it's the same fucking melody. <laughs> um or as close to it as you can possibly get. And I'm like, now I can't listen to this without laughing. How did I never notice how close to airplane this is? For some reason, whenever I uh, I try to remember before I rewatched it, um, I try to remember the music from it. I always thought of the uh, the music from Young Frankenstein. That they, right? That yeah, they, yeah. That they played to like draw the monster back. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's not. Again, not very far off. Like they're all kind of kissing cousins, and in, in, to a certain regard, um, Donald Pleasance really eating his way through this motion picture. Uh, constantly has snacks. Um, John Bannum in an interview referred to him as a handkerchief actor. 
Because if he has hand business, you can't cut away from his dialogue. Um, because people were going like, it's inconsistent. Something's in his hand, then out of his hand. And so his goal was to always have business that you couldn't cut away from. And this is a prime example of it. He's eating, he's mopping his brow, he's holding on to two crosses in a in a in a graveyard, everything. Yeah, I I there's this, I have to go back and watch this and try to try to freeze this, try to figure out what this is. But the, the morning after after Mina dies, um uh Jonathan is trying to get Lucy to eat something and he like mm-hmm. pull, I don't know what the hell this is. He's trying to tell her to eat. <laughs> it looks it looks like fried eggs. It looks like <laughs> Corned beef hash. I, 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 these are neither of these things are, I, I think were commonly found on a, you know, an Edwardian era dinner table. Mm-hmm. But she's just like, no, I'm not hungry. I'm like, yeah, I can see, I can, can't imagine why that looks delicious. Yep. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Galloway special there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> between her and Swales and um, Walter, who <laughs> I, Unfortunately, there's not a ton of Sylvester McCoy in this movie. Um, Was he again? Sylvester McCoy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I watched The Hobbit with Ollie because he had read the book in school. So I I found a a 3D Blu-ray of it on eBay for like 15 bucks and I got it and watched all 11D hours of the Hobbit with him and Sylvester McCoy shows up with bird poop in his hair. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. He was, uh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) But he is a delightful actor to watch because he is completely unhinged. Like all of the English actors here are just eating scenery as much as possible just to keep weight with Frank Langella and it's not working. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> he he plays it. He plays his role very, very subtly. Yeah, you know he doesn't really. He never really. He never really raises his voice at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, because he doesn't have to. Yeah, he just you know it, it's interesting because he's not particularly a physically imposing man. But no, but everyone in here is so slight and short that it doesn't much matter anyway. But he's just you know because he has brown eyes i guess that makes him quote-unquote exotic looking <laughs> yeah i guess like he you know he, he he's you know canonically from romania uh mm. but he doesn't bother using an accent or anything whereas like no. whereas you know bell lugosi you know okay he was hungarian but the accents are somewhat similar and then gary Oldman lays that accent on real fucking thick <laughs> yeah. but uh frank Langella doesn't bother with any accent at all which is interesting mm. when he's talking about you know you know the tiny village he comes from they do things differently <laughs> yeah the old country that he's from and yeah that, you know. it's like the old country of you know the hampshires frank <laughs> right. like, the last 500 years of connecticut what's happening here <laughs> Like, yeah, I've ruled over the actor's workshop for millennia. Um, I'm a king of my kind. Um, the one person we really haven't discussed at all um, is Kate Nelligan. And she confuses me, Gina, as 
as an actor? I, I feel like every role Kate Nelligan plays, um, and this is not uh, you know very kind of me, but I've seen her enough movies. She is always a fucking bitch. <laughs> every, <laughs> every single one of her roles, she's always a bitch. Yeah. Like, like she just has that, you know, kind of snotty air about her. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you know, they, people thought that, that, that Frank Langella was too old for his part. She's a little too old for her part. I, th- I, th- I think. Yeah. She's like 29 here. Um, everyone's kind of aged up beyond where they should be. But I, it's such a it's such an economy of scale that everyone is slightly older than they should be. That I'm kind of like it's a give me it, it, whatever. Um, you know, I just but don't, yeah, I don't, that, I don't that get bitchy from her, edge of yeah, her really comes across. Yeah, I, I don't get from her, you know, the impression that she's this, you know, you know, ripe flower of innocence, just you know, you know, ready for the plucking. Mm-hmm. As it no, were, no, no, no. by by Dracula, no. you know, she seems very. And when I say worldly and experienced, I don't mean to say she's all slutty. You know, that, that's not what I'm talking about. She just seems like you know a, a an educated woman of the world. Yes, yeah. Whereas yeah. you know the the uh, um, again, it's actually Mina. Uh, like like you know, Winona the way Winona Ryder plays her, she seems like very naive, not, not childlike yeah. necessarily, but but. You know, you buy it when she's, you know, very fluttery and giggly when her and Lucy are, you know, looking at the dirty pictures together and, and yeah. you know, yeah. and, and you get that, you know, the first time she and Jonathan, you know, really passionately kiss is literally, you know, the day they get married. You're right. And, but I, I just, you know, whatever this characterization is, I don't really buy it. And again, maybe she's just trying a different take on this character where it's not that she's an innocent who, who's you know, secretly begging to be corrupted is that she just, she just finds Jonathan boring, which he, which he is. (laughs) He is. She's right. Um, And I also think there's a, and I'm going to borrow here from the final girls in their discussion of this, but it's a very second wave feminism look at this, where she's, she's making the decision to, to, uh, investigate count dracula like she goes out of he's not he does eventually climb on the roof for her but she's also like showing up at the castle like hey what's haps you know (laughs) and he's like if you're gonna be hanging out with me there will be a point where you're like boy this is a bad idea so i'm giving you a shoot right now like this doesn't need to happen this is your choice. And she's like, oh, I have nothing to fear. I am Lucy Seward. And <laughs> you're kind of like, okay, all right. So I, I, sort it, of feel like, I sort of feel like, yo, yo, Jonathan, just let her go. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, a, a Jonathan cannot be one-upped. I, there's, a, there's a compulsion within him that's like, well, we made an arrangement and hands were shook. And now I'm going to make sure you don't make off on a ship with my Lucy. Even though like five seconds ago, she tried to bite my head off. And 10 minutes ago, uh, a vampire bat bit my face. And I'm like, Professor, Professor. <laughs> He's the, a weenie. He's, it, it, oh man, I've never wanted a character to die quite as much uh, lately. I mean, there, there comes, there comes to a certain point where if you're 
Ikira beloved is torn between you and someone else, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just better off for everybody if you just let them go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Truly. You know, yeah, you, it's going to suck for a little while, but you'll, you'll find someone new. Yeah. No, he's got a... He, he's got a... a uh, the sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads, they all adore Dracula. They think he's a righteous dude and he can't handle it is what it comes down to. <laughs> I mean, he's a solicitor. He, you know, he, if he moved out of that shitty little town where the only, you know, the only thing that seems to be happening is an insane asylum, he could right. probably, he could probably find someone new. I'm sure he could with his goofy little motor car that he has to crank up. Uh, He's intimidated by a man on a horse. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's got these stupid little goggles on. He drives his car. (laughs) I I realize it's because he doesn't have invented the windshield yet. But But even even so. It just looks so dumb. (laughs) It's dumb. He's dumb. It's all dumb. Just, 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 you know, another, another, you know, you should have fucked your lady, Jonathan. You should have fucked her. Really? Listen, like we learned in the night in heaven, uh, you, your penetration too much for you tonight. There's many ways to get your lady off. Just like read a book, like consult the Kumasat. Uh, fuck it. Uh, read a book. <laughs> the sex book. The sex book, whatever it is where people are super bendy and you're like, I don't know, I'm going to get a Charlie horse doing that. <laughs> um, is this the horniest fucking episode of the show we've ever done? Um, I mean, we just talked, we, we've been talking about erotic thrillers. I was going to say, I was going to say. talked about fucking nearly as much uh, yeah, as we are right now. No, no. Well, I mean, we, we, we haven't, we've yet to do an, an actual full episode on Bram Stoker's Dracula. We, we should do one in the future. Um, yeah. I think we would almost want to break that bad boy up because oh, there's yeah. so much shit to talk about. And, and, and I feel like, I feel like we know several people who would demand to guest on it. So we need to, we need yeah. to, we need to like spread that out. Yeah. <laughs> spread that out. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I think Carnival. <laughs> <laughs> Werewolf howl. So um oh the 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 other knock on this movie is it's not particularly scary. Like that's not really the point of it. I, I will say, I will say that when I was a child, um I was very freaked out by the scene where where Mina shows up in the kind of underground like crypt thing. That's frightening as hell. That that is that me. is the, nightmare the, fuel. I mean, that the makeup doesn't look so good from a modern perspective. You can definitely see it's got she's got that like oatmeal face thing happening, but yeah. but, but it's still very like when she kind of shows up in the reflection of the yeah. like, that that freaked me out when I was a kid, and even now I'm still like that, that's still pretty creepy. The pointy red eyes where it's all black, but the one red point. Yeah. Um, And the way she says, Papa. Mm. No, uh, yeah, no. That, that's a, that's the scariest it gets. And it's, 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 it still works. I think. I think that is a hell of a fucking scene. Um, uh, it's when you get into Dracula's crypt and he, and he's like, you can't defeat me. And then he turns into a vampire bat. And <laughs> you're hearing him go, that's not scary. That's a non-scary confrontation. 
And it's not made any more frightening by, you know, Mr. Goggles uh, <laughs> crying on the floor because a vampire bat is making a meal of his cheekbone. <laughs> like the amount of times fucking Van Helsing shows up and he's like lining up a steak for the heart. And he's like, give it another 10 seconds. Really make this count. <laughs> like just fucking steak this dude. <laughs> you, know, you can pull it out and try again. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. Just give it one fell swoop. And if you miss the heart, you know, go in for a second. Um, but where the, the fun part about like the ending of this is that Dracula is hoisted by his own petard. Literally. Yes. Like this is what it is. And he's a, he's slow roasted like a rotisserie chicken. (laughs) In, in a scene in which I guess he visits the Corona of the sun. Like he gets a space, 2001 moment um, <laughs> while exposed to the sunlight. I mean, I mean, I get it. I have very sensitive skin when I'm out in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> and it does occasionally feel like I'm about six inches away from the, from, from the, the sun surface. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a wild directorial decision. And yet, but- and yet it takes, it, it, it takes the bold approach of, su- of suggesting that he might've gotten away. Yeah. That he kind of flutters about and you can go, oh, well, maybe, you know, even though Lucy kind of it, it becomes unvampirized at that point. Well, kind of. I mean, she seems she seems pretty, uh, pretty chill. The idea that he still might be, you know, flying around out there. True. Um, does it make sense? No. Um, does Abraham Van Helsing throw a a hook and line up Dracula in the back. <laughs> I guess in one of the open bullet holes that <laughs> Jonathan shot through him thinking I'm a big man. <laughs> yeah, that, that takes some arm strength. I mean, considering that Van Helsing was like, you know, already run through with one of with one yeah. of the stakes. So, you know, get that but he li- kind of picks it up and kind of, uh, I mean, he, Lawrence Olivier was in poor health. Like if you, put his wig on wrong he could bleed out that's how bad he was at this point that is that true story um so the way he tosses that hook is not exactly oh oh my god look out look out it's just a real lucky strike i think yes and then uh, jonathan harker goes oh a pulley system and then uh space 2001 and then um, he and then he probably took all the credit for himself. Yes. Oh, undoubtedly. He's telling everyone in the village. Did everyone know the Count Dracula I killed? <laughs> I did it. <laughs> that was me. That was me. Yeah, um, because Lucy, Lu, you know, you know, Lucy's not going to remember. And Van Helsing's dead. And I forget what happened to Dr. Seward. He fucked off somewhere. And- <laughs> he took a nap. I kind of, <laughs> yeah. he kind of disappears. Shit, it's lunchtime. <laughs> he's tramped in a basement. I don't know what he's the off having happens. having his eleven Z's. <laughs> Third breakfast. I'm not sure. But uh, you um, know, you know, we always talk about, and we talked about this with um, the "A Night in Heaven" episode. I, yeah. I always like to wonder, like, what happens after this? Like, you know, and again, in, in canonically in Dracula, 
uh, Jonathan and um, and uh, Mina end up marrying. Um, they have kids. So I think they named one of the kids after uh, Quincy P. Mars, and they're they're, they're kind of okay after that, but mm-hmm. because it suggested that that um, Mina does not actually remember much of what she went through. Um, here, I feel like they're just going to be like, you know, constantly, passive aggressively bring it up to each other for the rest of their lives. Yeah. If it wasn't for, oh, you don't want to make dinner tonight? What happened when I rescued you from a vampire? Well, I didn't ask you to rescue him, rescue me from, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> I was having laser sex. Do you know what that's like? No, you don't. You know why? You don't give me laser sex. <laughs> There's no bats flying through a tunnel when we're going at it. It turns into that, uh, the, the Pat Oswalt sketch about the cellar door breakfast street. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> oh, man. Uh, anything else about Dracula 1979 we need to talk you about? Know what? It's, it's very nice to look at. Yeah. Uh, if you are, if you, as long as you go in expecting that this is, you know, kind of its own thing and doesn't really follow the story except in the most basic ways uh, it's mm. a lot of fun i think that you know frank langell is probably top i wouldn't say top five vampire but top five dracula for me yeah 100 i think he definitely I, I never really cared i'm gonna be i'm gonna say the potentially controversial here i never really cared for bella lugosi's dracula even though that's yeah. you know what everybody thinks of immediately the spanish language version looks better yes and the dracula is better yeah it's just it's a sexier affair all across the board it's just it's just funny that that has become like you know even now like for halloween costumes you've got the slicked back hair you've got the cape none of which was reflective of the dracula in the book this was entirely designed for the play and for bella lugosi i i always thought he was kind of he was very stiff to me. Yeah. Um, I, I think he is playing a type of uh, Dracula that is unknowable, that is beyond human knowledge. And so he's a creature and it's very xenophobic. Yes. Portrayal yes. for the most part. Yes. That he's this outsider who, uh, you know, slithers their way into normal society and feeds off of good English white stock, yes, as it were, right. He so he seems he seems almost kind of asexual, whereas yeah. whereas Frank Langell is very sensual. You know, as we as we mentioned, you know, he walks into this dinner party like I'm, you know, my name is Buck and I and I love to fuck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. at one point, at one when he shows up to to you know to claim uh, Lucy, like his shirt is like unbuttoned. He's got the chest hair on display. (laughs) It's like, oh man, he's ready. (laughs) There's nothing metaphorical about his blood taking, his penetration. Um, Just quickly, some filmography notes here. Uh, This version of Dracula was written by W.D. Richter. If that name sounds familiar to you, it should. Uh, not only did he create one of my favorite terrible TV movies of all time, Slither, um, which Starbuck from the original Battlestar Galactica turns into a snake yes. in real time. 
uh, or is it Barry Bostwick? I can't remember it somewhat. I think it's Starbuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, he then rebounded from that to write Nickelodeon, um, a, a film you're probably not familiar with it because in a sense, it um, the whole movie seems to be about uh, <laughs> racism on screen. Um, and it stars Ryan O'Neill and uh, the, his daughter. He liked to punch when she got nominated for an Oscar and he didn't. Tatum O'Neill. Um, uh, it's a movie that deserves to go away for a very long time. After that, he does... Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 78 Hell version. Hell yeah, one of my favorites. Fucking rocks. This, off of this into Brubaker, um, which is an interesting, if tone deaf, uh, little prison tale. Um, All Night Long, a film that is fucking bizarre. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. And of course, he directs in between that the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. I love this guy. So, and then he ended up also writing stealth. So good for him. Stealth, everybody. Heck yeah. An actual motion picture. Whereas this film was directed by John Batham, as we mentioned a couple of times, he came out of TV um, in the early seventies, you know, stuff like the streets of San Francisco and night gallery. He did a bunch of night galleries, but uh, then when he finally makes the leap to feature films, uh, he his first is the bingo long traveling all stars and motor kings, which is the uh, first movie that kind of tackles the uh, uh, all Negro League, um, as it was referred to. Uh, and then after that, he follows it up with the genuine cultural defining moment that is Saturday Night Fever. Uh, a movie which, if you have not seen, you seem to think it's about dancing. But if you have, you know, it's uh, dancing takes up like 20 minutes and the rest of it is fucked up. It is a gritty, depressing movie. It truly is in almost every way. So this is his kind of blank check. Like Universal's like, what do you want to do? We have the rights to Dracula. And he's like, yes, I want to do it. And I want to get you know, Franklin Jella off the stage and I want to make this whole thing. And they gave him $12 million and it kind of does. Okay. It, it, it makes twice its budget. So it's fine. Um, but then some, at some point in the nineties, he desaturates this so that it looks more like a black and white movie. And for my money, the color, the full color one is the way to go. Yes. Um, then he, uh, another truly depressing film, Whose Life Is It Anyway? Uh, another universal Oscar attempt. Then after that, his 83 is fucking nuts because not only does he direct Blue Thunder, but then he steps in to direct War Games, in which the original director walks away from that movie. Yeah, he basically, uh, he basically like directed a lot of shit that you watched on cable as a child if you were oh if you're like if you're like our age yes short circuit uh which is casually racist as they come stakeout bird on a wire uh the hard way which i haven't watched in a long time i don't remember liking other people seem to like it very much one with uh james woods and michael j fox yes i i know that i have seen that couldn't tell you anything about it 
Could not tell you a single thing about it other than it takes place in New York. Uh, the American version of La Femme Nikita, Point of No Return, or is, or is that different? Nope, Bridget Fonda. Yeah, it's American uh, La Femme Nikita. And then uh, after that, uh, oh boy, I lost my place. Another stakeout, terrible film, Drop Zone. A Wesley Snipes parachuting heist movie that has to be seen to be believed. Nick of Time, in in, in which uh, wine vampire uh, Johnny Depp attempts to play a normal person in a Die Hard movie, basically. <laughs> uh, is that is the one that's? Is it. that the one that's like uh, in in like real time? Yes. Okay. It's literally a a ninety minute clock again again i have seen it that is all i remember about it fucking terrible but then he goes back to tv and he does like one or two episodes of tv a year every single year god bless him uh john badham uh last credit he has is for the freeform series siren about a, a scary uh mermaid is he still with us Yes, yes, he God is. Bless. As far as I, I am aware, uh, checking only born listed here. So, God bless. God bless. So, just a wild filmography from both of them and a, a true film of its time uh, that I I think is uh, worth everyone's time and attention to watch at least once. Yeah. Shell Fa- Screen Factory has a fantastic disc um, that's probably on sale for Valentine's Day. I, uh, I I rented it on Amazon Prime, so you you have that you, you have that option as well. Yes, it's 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 um, you know, it's fun. It's I would say I I don't know if it quite falls on the side of campy. I think it's I think it's a little a little too. Uh, a little too self-serious. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, it's, it, if you're a fan of, you know, you know, bodice ripper romance novels, you'll like it. It's got that. It's, yeah. It's got that look. Everything's very, you know, heated. You know, you got a lot, a lot of, you know, repressed sexuality happening. Unless you're Jonathan Harker. <laughs> <laughs> who's just like smooth as a Ken doll for all we know. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's no Bram Stoker's Dracula, but again, he definitely Coppola definitely lifted a lot of imagery and stylistic yes. choices directly from this. Directly from this motion picture, and but his what he's trying to do with Dracula is different than what's going on here. And yeah, I think that sort of Harlequin romance paperback version of Dracula—that's what this is. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's a fun flick. Uh, our thank you, everyone. Uh, yes, this was our this uh, was our Patreon. Valentine's Day gift to you. We hope you love yes. it. We, There's we, nothing we, more romantic than uh, two people who've never met and are married to other people talking about fucking. <laughs> uh, uh, do we have new people to to thank? We do. Um. um we have one new patron. Um, I want to welcome and thank you, Alexis. Okay. Thank you, Alexis. For myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.